the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to the Situation Report, where we give you the information you need to navigate an ever-changing culture. Glad to have you with us this week. I am Jeremy Stallmaker here with Chad Robichaux, and today's topic is one that I hope is important to you. It should be. Uh, we look at our families, and we look at the culture that we live in, and we understand that our families have a profound impact on culture. Although where we're sitting right now, we might conclude that the culture is having a profound impact on our families. And uh, Chad, as we come into this topic, we, uh, we know that historically the, the family unit has been the foundation on which culture and society was built. But we're yeah. seeing uh, really in a lot of ways the foundations of family being torn down. Uh, what used to be defined as family is no longer the definition that we're using. And it's become very, very confusing. And I think the impact on culture uh, more and more is becoming extremely profound as the family unit and the family definition has changed. We see this all around us. It's much more complex than uh, single moms and fatherless yep. homes, which is, you know, a, a very major issue in our culture and right. uh, in, in the homes of, of many around around the world. But uh, I think it's much more complex than that. I'm so thankful we have a you know great guest on today to help yep. shed some light on uh, yeah. the complexities of it and the impact it has on all of us uh, in our culture today. Yeah, very excited about our guest today. And uh, we, we were talking about this, this uh, topic and discussing this kind of with our team. And uh, the one name that kept coming to the surface, the guy we have to get on to talk about it, even if he won't come on, we've got to try, uh, is Stefan Molyneux. And uh, Stefan, thank you for joining us. Um, Stefan, uh, for many that would not know him, is the founder and host of Freedom Domain, the largest philosophy show in the world. More than 4,500 podcasts, 10 books, 600 million downloads, uh, you continue to speak on topics of family and liberty and uh, really philosophy. Topics ranging from politics, philosophy, economics, relationships, Bitcoin, right in the middle of all of that. Bitcoin, uh, parenting, and how to achieve real freedom in your life. And uh, Stefan, we have some very specific questions, but before we get into that, your, your path to having a philosophy show um, is not maybe a conventional path. I don't know if there is one to having a philosophy show. But uh, again, for those that may not be familiar with your work, can you give us kind of how you ended up here and, and why you decided to get into this work and really this world? Well, thanks. Uh, great pleasure to be here. The website is freedomain.com. And the reason why I'm here, the reason why we're talking is because I had a very long commute. And I was working in the business world. I was an entrepreneur. My training was in the history of philosophy. That's my graduate studies degree from the University of Toronto. But I had a long commute to work. I was tired of audiobooks. There was nothing else I really wanted to listen to. So I thought, hey, why don't I just listen to myself for a while? And so I started recording in my car on a long commute. I published those uh, audios uh, only. This is back when it was all audio only. I published those as podcasts, and people really liked them, and it started to spread. And after a while, uh, people said, hey, you know, maybe I could give you a little tip or two, like in terms of, you know, maybe I get some gas money or something mm -hmm. out of it. So yeah. I put out a, a link and then people began to donate. And then after a while, I thought to myself this sort of basic question. Everybody wants to add the most value that they can in life. And I thought, well, does the world really need another software executives? We're kind of dime a dozen these days, particularly with the Silicon Valley boom of the 90s and all. Does the world need yet another software executive or does the world need more philosophy? 
and uh, it became pretty easy for me to make that decision. So I think it was 2007, 2008, I quit my entire career as a software entrepreneur and an executive and handed in my resignation to the board and started doing this crazy gig full time. And it's been a wild ride ever since. And really, other than parenting and marriage, the most deeply gratifying thing that I've ever done with my life. Um, one of the areas you discuss often is the family and in terms of you know, the philosophical aspects of the family and what that looks like and the long-term impact. I think this is one of the things we miss right now is how is what is happening right now going to impact us in the future and impact culture in the future? And we hear things like this all the time, a statement like this, the family is under attack. And we hear people say that. From, from your perspective, as you deal with this and talk about this, do you believe, number one, that the family is under attack? And, and what does that look like? Practically, what does that even mean? Well, without a doubt, the family is under attack, and it's not under attack randomly by happenstance, by coincidence, by a variety of historical factors. It's under attack very specifically and very consciously by communists and socialists and materialists and, you could say, atheists to some degree as well. And the reason, of course, is because the family is designed to raise children well and to transmit values, hard-won, hard-fought-for values that have emerged out of, you know, humanity's been around forever and there's been just about every configuration of human society that's been experimented with and tried with. The ones that work, the ones that are best for the family, best for children, best for society as a whole, those values all get transmitted down through the family. They don't get transmitted through government schools, which are really teaching anti-values at the moment. They don't get transmitted by the media, which is generally teaching class resentment, socialism, and family destruction. So the family is how you transmit values. Now, if you hate those values, if you resent those values, then you have to destroy the family because the family is transmitting those values. And those values of small government, of personal responsibility, of universal ethics, of um, moral courage, and you know, Western values of, of free speech and, and the values of the free market and so on, well, these are all transmitted through the family. So what you have to do when you want to destroy the transmission of these values, which is to say destroy these values, you have to take general sniper aim at the forehead of the family. And this you do. This is very clear in the uh, the communists 10 point plan for erasing families right there in the communist manifesto this has been going on for 150 years really ever since the government started to take over government uh, education so it's a very very specific goal of destroying the hard won hot fought for blood spilled by the billions of gallons values to make sure that they don't make it to the next generation and if you can intercept and stop the transmission of those values you can shunt them aside and you can inject or transmit your own values into the youth thus changing the course of western history much for the worse as vladimir lenin said give me a child when he's four and i'll give you a socialist for life right yeah so we see that happening now with uh just indoctrination in the united states and uh with our children and things happening in schools and so i'm so thankful you brought, brought point that out uh, our our views uh i think our views of how we let the world impact around us are shaped in many different ways i mean for me i'm, I'm a christian so my moral absolutes really reside in my faith but not everyone is and we turn to different things for our for you know, moral guidance. And, and as you mentioned the media, uh, but we have, you know, media, television, video games, uh, the, the news, the news, the news cycles, and depending on which news people watch, how does all, all this, just, this, uh, just clutter of noise, just impact culture? And how does it play out with how people view the world and live their lives? Well, frankly, it's a devil's bargain. 
to put it theologically, and I think exactly precisely. So the devil's bargain, whether you believe in the literal devil or simply the temptations of the flesh that draw us down from our higher purpose to the base muscle-bound mammalian, it is a temptation of the flesh. So what do what do people who want to destroy you do? Well, they don't just come up and say, hey, man, I really want to destroy you because then you know, you got to put up your dukes, you're going to fight back. <laughs> what they do is they say, you know, all those old values, you know, they're so square, they're so limiting, they're so, you know, you gotta go out into an open plane of sensual delights and, and freedoms and free love and, and go and explore your sexuality and not commit to anyone and have kids later. And it's all of this temptations of the flesh. And this is very, very key to what is going on. And this has happened really since the Fabian socialists, the early communists in uh, Russia promised free love and polygamy and open relationships, and you can have all the sex you want. And if you dangle these kinds of fleshly pleasures in front of people, it's very tempting. And so what people do is they say, well, okay, these abstract freedoms like, you know, property rights and contract rights and free speech and limited government, those are all very abstract and maybe they'll give me pleasure down the road. But right now, all of these people are dangling, you know, free love and sensuality and sense pleasures and sexuality right there in front of me. And so we leap at that. It's like a viper striking or a cat striking at a laser. We're kind of programmed to pursue these kinds of fleshly pleasures. And um, I guess they satisfy people for a short amount of time. But what happens, of course, is the values uh, that undermine the freedoms in our society get progressively undermined themselves by these freedoms. Uh, freedoms to do stuff, not freedoms from consequences of, or freedoms from consequences and freedoms to do stuff rather than free some freedoms from coercion and so on. And so that is the great devil's bargain that's been held out in the West, particularly since the 1960s with the free love movement. And of course, as you know, uh, the um, in the late 1960s, the no-fault divorce and the uh, alimony and child support where the woman gets paid if she stays or doesn't, uh, abortion, lack of consequences, the welfare state to shore up any woman who marries a bad man or drives away a good man. And so people are just getting dangled sense pleasures, sensual pleasures in front of them, and they're grabbing at those because we have forgotten the wisdom of our ancestors. And sadly, of course, uh, all we're getting is debt and broken families and destroyed lives in return. And that makes it very hard to stitch together a cohesive civilization. I think that uh, definitions are really important. And one of the struggles I believe we're having, so I think there are people who are malicious, maliciously tearing down the family, et cetera. I think there are a lot of other people that just don't understand the definition of family. What is a family? And then beyond that, so I'd like your definition of family. But then beyond that, what makes your definition the right one? So this seems to be the argument we're having, right? Is, is like, well, you define it that way, but I define it this way. And my definition says that a family is this, but the traditional definition. Um, so how would you define the family? And then what's the reason that you would give, I guess, uh, to say that that's the right definition or the one that is culturally sustainable? Right. So. Why do we have roads? We have roads because we have cars. I mean, there were roads before cars, but we have roads in the modern sense because we have cars. So you have to kind of look at the end purpose of what something is designed for. Now, mm. just because we have roads for cars doesn't mean that bicycles can't use the roads and motorcycles can't use the roads and so on, right? So the question is, why do we even have males and females? Why do we have family? Why do we have pair bonding and so on? Well, the purpose, of course, of the fact that we have two genders, the purpose of family is children. 
I mean, that's the only reason why the institution exists. Now, that doesn't mean that couples who don't have children and so on, they, they can't enjoy the benefits of marriage. Sure, they can in the same way that a bicyclist can enjoy the road as well. But the purpose of the family is the care and nurturing and protection of children. And we know this, sadly, beyond the shadow of a doubt now, because as families have disintegrated, childhood dysfunction, childhood neurosis, childhood mental health issues, childhood obesity, promiscuity, drug addiction, uh, you name it, this has all gone through the roof. And so children are very, very hard to raise. Man, we are one slow-growing species. You know, mm -hmm. you, you've seen these movies where the foal pops out of the mother's womb and can walk within a couple of days. You know, we take like a year to even be able to walk. Uh, it takes 25 years for the adult male brain to reach full maturity. So we are one slow, I mean, it's, it's like chrysalids form faster, uh, stalagmites and stalactites form faster than we do. So the fact is that you need a stable pair bonded male female relationship for the having and raising and nurturing of children to maturity, particularly when you have complex anti-immediate pleasure values like integrity and the deferment of gratification. When you have complex values to transmit, it takes a pair bonded couple. And that's why a family exists. And again, this doesn't mean that only couples who are having children are limited to family. Family, of course, there's extended family. There are couples who are infertile who may adopt. And those are all absolutely legitimate families. But the central purpose and reason for being of the family is the having and raising of children, which is all predicated on what a slow growth species we are. Yeah. I wanted to take a minute to let our audience know about the work that we do through an incredible veterans nonprofit called the Mighty Oaks Foundation. Many of our nation's warriors struggle with the hardships of military service and reintegration back into civilian life. Often they leave broken homes in their aftermath and comprise one of the most at-risk groups for suicide, with over 20 veterans who take their lives every single day. Mighty Oaks tackles this critical issue with our faith-based peer-to-peer resiliency and recovery programs offered at no cost to our honored servicemen and women at beautiful ranches across the United States. Mighty Oaks has one of the highest success rates of any program available anywhere. Visit MightyOaksPrograms.org to learn more about how you can make a direct impact in the lives of our servicemen and women to help them find a new life purpose through hope in Christ. Again, that's MightyOaksPrograms.org. Witnessing the transformation that these men and women go through is absolutely incredible. There are no words to describe seeing warriors restored to the lives they were created to live, changing their legacies for eternity. Your support is needed now more than ever and will ensure that our programs are here for our warriors who are in desperate need. Again, the website is mightyoaksprograms.org. You talked, you talked about about socialism and communism. And, and right now, that's kind of the new buzzword in, in the United States, democratic socialism. And, it, and I don't believe that most of the people that, that are buying into this want the end goal to be a, have ill will towards the end goal. They don't want to see the destruction of our country. They don't want to, they don't, they really don't believe we'll end up being Venezuela. But nonetheless, there's still this appeal. And so someone's pushing the agenda. I guess, who is the someone? And, and what's the motivation? What is, is the motivation truly sinister? Well, I'm 
sure that the people who are communists believe that they're going to be liberating everyone from class struggles and ensuring a land of milk and honey for all. So, I mean, whether they're <laughs> sinister or not, I think it's kind of sinister to overlook, I don't know, say, 100 million deaths in the 20th century right. ascribed to communism alone. That seems a little bit sinister sure. to uh, to overlook, but sort of very briefly. So uh, communism and national, so international socialism, which is communism, and national socialism, which is Nazism, were at war in the 20th century, as you know, through the Second World War. And the capitalist West allied with the Soviet Union in order to defeat Nazi Germany, whether that was necessary or not, who knows, right? But that was the devil's bargain that was made. And then when the, um, uh, the, the, the when a lot of the national socialists uh, in Germany were attacking uh, communists and so on, a lot of the communist intellectuals f fled to the West. They fled to America and to Western Europe and Great Britain and so on, where they set up shop and began the process of trying to transform a deeply individualistic, free market, small government, capitalist environment into what they want, which is their classless, stateless, socialist paradise uh, that is just beyond the mountain of bodies that communism always seems to to bring about. Is the abolishment of family like intentionally woven into that agenda? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. No question. No. So, so this is the basic principle of, of the left, of socialism, of communism, and so on, which is to say, in a meritocracy, in other words, when people are out there competing in a relative free market for success, you're just going to get really, really wide disparities of income and, and outcomes, so to speak, right? So yeah, in general, men are going to make more than women. High IQ people are going to make more than low IQ people. People who have the personality trait conscientiousness are going to make more than people who don't have that personality trait. And a lot of this stuff is genetic, though, of course, I'm not a determinist, so not all. That's where philosophy and free will comes in. So you're just going to get disparities of outcome when you have a meritocracy, whether it's in music or sports or business or podcasting or TV, you name it, right? So what happens is the leftists look at all of these disparities of outcome and they don't look for root causes because they believe they already have the answer as to why these disparities of income occur. And they say, aha, all just because everybody's like these Star Trek blobs that everyone's just kind of the same. The only reason that there could be disparities of outcome is because of bigotry and racism and sexism and classism and inheritance and the advantages you might get from being in a functional family versus some kid who inherits nothing other than maybe his, you know, dad's diseased liver, broken alcoholic bottles on the floor and, a, you know, an early death. So they look at all these disparities and ascribe them all to injustice and bigotry and so on. And then they go about trying to scrub and eliminate and erase all of these disparities. But you can't. All you can do, again, you can't climb the mountain. You can only bring the mountain down right. to the ground. So the only way that they can get rid of these disparities is to get rid of any kind of meritocracy. And since the free market relentlessly sorts by ability, they have to get rid of the free market. And because they perceive something like inheritance to be something that gives kids a particular advantage. You know, the kid who inherits a million dollars versus the kid who inherits nothing. It's just unfair. Well, then they have to get rid of inheritance. But in order to get rid of inheritance, you kind of got to get rid of the family. Mm. And so everything that might give someone an advantage in the sort of fever dream, paranoia, seeing bigotry everywhere they look mind of the leftist, everything that might possibly give someone an advantage must be eliminated. And to try and cure right. economic inequality, they end up creating this massive state with tyranny and power and, and the capacity to make or break entire continents worth of people's lives, dreams, futures, and well, actually their physical lives, so to yeah. speak, through a lot of yeah. people in gulags and, and killed a lot of people. 
And so in order to cure this minor ailment of economic inequality, they end up creating massive political inequality because you have this tyranny uh, state and then that state corrupts everyone who touches it because power corrupts. And uh, then they just end up destroying everything. So in order to cure a headache, you end up with, uh, well, endless guillotining. Yep. Do you, as you look down the, down the road, if you had a crystal ball, are, are you hopeful about where this conversation and this, this uh, I don't know if it's a cultural war, but if this, where this will end? Are we going in the right direction? Will we end up in the right place? Will we swing back to an understanding of family values? Or will we end up in just uh, you know, a state of absolute chaos where someone is required to come in as a dictator to bring order back? Where do we end up if we keep going down the road that we're on right now? Well, so I'm going to sort of filter out two two questions there. So one is a, a prediction um, if we do stuff, and another one is a prediction if we don't do stuff. Well, okay. of course, if we don't do stuff, we're just going to do the hard end of the Roman Empire bounce, which is a gruesome and horrible thing to go through. When the government currency becomes worthless, Weimar Republic style, when your usual left or right wing extremists end up striding up to a chaotic and disintegrating social system, particularly economic system, and offer to get the trains running on time and to get the, the food uh, uh, supply chains uh, reopened as long as you submit to their arbitrary and brutal dictatorship. Again, whether it's of the left or the right is not hugely important. They kind of circle around in the back. And so um, if, if we don't do anything, yeah, we're, we're, the cycle of history is just going to repeat. But, yep. but, and this is what's so exciting about this conversation and why I appreciate having a chance to have this kind of conversation with you guys, is we've got something really, really new. Hmm. We've got something that has never before existed in the history of the world. We've got something, a sort of spanner that we might be able to throw into the grinding gears of incipient totalitarianism that characterizes end of the empire situations like is going on in the West, which is we have the internet. We have the yeah. nearly infinite Gutenberg press of the modern world. We have mm. the capacity to push back against destructive narratives. We have the capacity to have these kinds of conversations. You know, uh, by this time next year, I should be well north of three quarters of a billion views and downloads of my philosophy show. Right. That's never yeah. happened before yeah. in history. And so in history, for the most part, you had a ruling elite which was, you know, two to three or 4% of the population. And of that ruling elite, you had two or three or 4% of those people who were actually interested in wisdom and knowledge and truth and virtue and, and spiritual values and so on. Now we have something that is just so unprecedented that that's why I work so hard, why I'm so invested in these kinds of conversations. It may not be enough. I mean, I, I hate to think of things in terms of determinism, you know, like just the rocks rolling down the hill and they just land wherever they're gonna land. We have a weapon against tyranny, against totalitarianism, against falsehoods, against lies that has never before existed in human history. I hope, I hope, I hope it's going to be enough. And uh, uh, I certainly don't want to look back at whatever happens and say, boy, if I'd only done a right. little bit more, Absolutely. maybe things could have turned around. I have to give it, as I think you guys do too, maximum effort yeah. to avoid the catastrophe that is absolutely going to characterize the West if we don't act. Stefan, we could talk all day, and uh, I, I love your show. People need to go watch your show. Uh, where can people find out about you, watch the show, and get uh, more information on the work that you're doing? Oh, sure. I appreciate that. You can find my work at freedomain.com. Uh, I've got a bunch of documentaries up there, too, on Poland, on California, on Hong Kong. I hope that people will check it out if they want to watch me getting pepper sprayed for the course. It's quite <laughs> exciting. But... Um, so I, I hope that people would check it out. And uh, I really do appreciate the time to chat with you guys. It's such yeah. an important topic. Please, everyone, find someone you love. Commit 
to that person, transmit the values that matter in this world. And that is our best foundation to avert the disaster that will otherwise accrue to us if we let slip history and lose everything we've achieved. That's awesome. Stefan, yeah. thank you so thank much. You thank so you much, for Stephane. talking yeah. to us and for the work that you're doing. Yeah. Very important. Thank you very much. Yes, sir. Yeah. Well, incredible conversation. Yeah, wow. I, I mean, I couldn't, <laughs> I, I didn't, it, I guess I could have injected, but I just thought it would yeah. be wiser for me to just be quiet and listen, because I could listen to him and, all day. And we could yeah. sit here for the next yeah. three hours and talk yeah. about this. I love the fact that he, uh, he didn't really take a political slant or uh, even a theological slant. Right. He just very factually based. I think the uh, the picture of you have to understand why a road exists, yeah, and where that road is taking you, and and putting it all in that context uh, really does help to frame it. Uh, a lot of people can use the road, as he said, right, it, and yeah. it's not against anyone using the road, but understanding there is a purpose for it, and the right. the family unit is where values are passed down and and how we go forward. Yeah, so, exactly. Fantastic so. conversation. A lot of takeaways today we could look at, but here is one, maybe the big one that we all have to get a hold of. The family has a profound impact on culture and country. There are people that would dismiss that idea, but we have to, first of all, just accept the truth that the family impacts profoundly not only our country, but culture at large. Number two, uh, with that in mind, we understand that the family is the central battleground for cultural ideology. We talk about all these big concepts, and all these ideas. Uh, what Stefan uh, really helped us to understand is philosophy. Uh, what's the battleground for all of that? It's the family. And then number three, what do we do with those? Two points. Well, number three, we must be committed, as Stefan ended his conversation with us, committed to building our families, investing in our families, and passing down the values that will carry us forward as a nation. And uh, so thankful that we could have this conversation. Yeah, awesome. And uh, we'll do it again. Thank you so much for watching, and I uh, look forward to the next time. See ya. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.